1 Peter 4, beginning with verse 8. Hear the word of God. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each one of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. July 1st, after, oh, over 40 years of doing the Prairie Home Companion, Garrison Keillor recorded his very last show. Hollywood Bowl, 18,000 people were there, and we were there too. We had heard him a good bit over the years on the radio, so he sounded just like I expected him to sound, but he didn't look like I expected. He stands with a music stand in front of him, kind of a regular crummy looking music stand, and he has a very thick sheaf of papers, and he reads them. No eye contact, no attempt to even look up once in a while. Sometimes when he sings, he even sings from the script. And as he finishes a page, he just drops it on the stage, and it just flutters. Every once in a while, he must have sent some kind of a signal because a stagehand would rush in from the side and pick up something and put it back up there. So he must have dropped something before he should have dropped it. But then 90 minutes into the show, he steps away from that music stand and he looks up and he says, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon, my hometown. And for 20 minutes, he tells a tale of that fictional town without looking down at all. It seems like it's completely spontaneous, but the people who work on the show say he works for hours and hours on what he's going to say. And he tells you a tale about these characters that he has made up in this town, a town that turns out that it's an awful lot like the little town where he grew up, too. Some of the characters seem to reflect some of the people that he knew in that town, and a whole lot of them seem to be a retelling of the prodigal son story in one way or another. Because Garrison Keillor manages to talk about his Christian faith quite a bit within his Prairie Home Companion show, and especially within that monologue that he does about Lake Wobegon. He talks about the Catholic Church in town, Our Lady of Perpetual Responsibility, and he talks about the Lutheran Church and Pastor Liz, the pastor who is now the new pastor in town in that town. He has the people there sing, um, sometimes at seasons, he'll, he'll have, a sing, have the group sing a Christmas carol at Christmas. Uh, he'll talk at Christmas about the meaning of the gospel at Christmas or at Easter, about Christ's resurrection. Uh, he had us sing, um, we're, we're marching to Zion. He said, I know you don't want to do it, but when you start singing, you're going to want to do it. And so, you know what, 18,000 of us sang really well. 
four-part harmony with him every once in a while saying, a little more tenor here, please. And we just sounded like a church choir, like we knew exactly what we were doing. It was amazing. People who have uh, interviewed him and who have written about him over the years say that they think that a lot of his life and his work has been coming to terms with the fundamentalist Christian church in which he was raised. He, as he has matured, he has uh, needed to struggle with what of that he believed. He has worshipped most of his adult life in mainline churches like Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran churches. Um, and he often weaves his understanding of the gospel into what he says on the radio. He was interviewed shortly before that last show, and one of the things that caught my ear was as people were talking to him about his own abilities to tell stories and his great gifts, he said, well, you know, the, story, the show wouldn't work at all if it was just me. It works because of the gifts of the whole cast, the gifts of the sound man and of the radio actors and of the band and of the singers. Even though the people who work on the show say 95% of this, he, he wrote it, and it's really Garrison Keillor that you're hearing through those other people. But it made me start thinking about the gifts that God gives to people. As Peter wrote, to use whatever gifts you have been given. Garrison Keillor clearly has the gift of storytelling. But that's a gift that doesn't seem to appear on any of the lists of gifts that we read in the Bible. You know, the Apostle Paul has a couple of different lists of gifts that he writes about. His lists are kind of daunting when people read them and try to figure out what their own gifts are. Teaching, prophecy, evangelism, mercy, healing, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And lots of people look at that list and say, I don't think I have any gifts because they can't see those things in their life. Margie Bell, one of our worship elders, um, when we were talking about this in a worship meeting a few weeks ago, she said she was in that situation and she was in a group. I'm guessing it was the disciple group that she had been in for so many years. And people were talking about their gifts and uh, and trying to identify them. And she said, I don't have any gifts. And everybody in the group said, of course you do. You have the, group, the gift of cooking. It's sure not on Paul's list. But if you've ever eaten Margie's food or watched her in the kitchen, you know that is a gift. Now, her training and her experience as a hospital dietitian has certainly been a part of that. She has a gift of just making food work in a way that I certainly do not. When my aunt had to be put in hospice near the end of her life, it was Margie that I called because Margie now is a dietitian for hospice. And she talked me down off the ceiling about what I was going to do about that and gave me practical advice. Her experience and her training has turned into gifts that God uses in all sorts of ways around here and also in the lives of people that know her, the people that she touches every day in one way or another. 
And it seems that some of the gifts that God gives are like that, that he takes our ordinary talents and even our training and our experience maybe at work and uses it in ways that seem to be a gift from him in the lives of other people, whether it's an official capacity in the church or just in relating to other people throughout the day. When we remodeled this, uh, the sanctuary about eight years ago, there were quite a few of us that were on a committee that met every Thursday. Lorna was part of the committee, Beth and I were part of the committee, a number of you were part of that committee. And when it got down to picking colors of things, like the color of this carpet and the color of the fuse and the color of the paint, it was very clear to me that I was not a person who should participate in that conversation. Now, I can see color. Okay, I know the colors in the room. But you know like when you're going to pick paint and you, and you try to pick like which white or in this case which tan you're going to use? Where at our house, when we do that, we buy about eight or 12 samples and we paint them up on the wall and we look at them and we mostly say, I, I don't know, what do you think? Okay, Beth and some of those other people, they can just look at those colors and they can immediately see it. They can say, oh yeah, that one's too peach, that one's too green, oh yeah, no, 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 that's got a lot of blue. I can't see that at all. I really just needed to keep my mouth shut when it came to that kind of conversation. They have an eye for color and it seems to be a gift that I don't have at all. Terry Schumann has that same gift about the color of people's hair. She tells me my hair used to be purple before she started coloring it. I don't think it was purple, but see, she could see it, and I couldn't see it. One of the masseuses at my gym, people say she has magic fingers or that her fingers have eyes. If you tell her that your neck hurts, it doesn't take her more than a couple of seconds to find that spot and to be able to figure out exactly what she needs to do to get that pain out. She sees it as a gift from God, that God uses her to relieve people's pain. Many of you know that my dad died about six weeks ago. He was 100. He died about 40 days after his 100th birthday party. I think he was hanging on for that party, and then he just went downhill fast. At his service two weeks ago, uh, a number of people said things about him, and one of the people who talked is a woman who has a very hard time moving around because of rheumatoid arthritis. And she said, there is something in this room where we were that, she said, makes me always thankful for Carl, my dad's name, for Carl, because he saw the need for it, and he made it happen. And it was railings to get up to the stage, long before he would have needed them to be able to get up there. And, but he, not only did he see the need, he made it happen. He followed through. She said, you always knew if Carl was, wanted to get something done, it would get done. And he passed that on to two daughters and five grandchildren. We get it done. Now, that's a gift through dad, but it seems like it's a gift of God, that God has given that to us, through what we've gained in our family from experience, from the values of the family about getting it done, 
and from everything that we have heard throughout the years. This week at the Bible studies that I was leading, we talked about some of the gifts that people saw in themselves or that they saw in other people there. Uh, somebody said the gift of mercy. Somebody else said the gift of welcoming. That was Pat Drew, who we mentioned as the servant of the week. Everybody recognized she had the gift of welcoming. The gift of leadership, exercised with humility. The gift of mediation, the gift of mercy, the gift of listening. None of those are on that wonderful list that Paul gives us. They fit a little better into what Peter says. Use whatever gifts you have been given for God. And certainly there was a huge list of those whatever gifts. This is a room full of people with gifts. Many of you, the rest of us know what your gifts are, even if you don't. Because we see the way God uses you. In fact, you could see, say that any experience or any ability used by God for God's purposes is really a spiritual gift given by God. Paul also, not Peter, tells us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he desires. It seems that there are times when he wants to have something happen that he gives gifts to his people for that to happen. In some cases, within a church, if he wants something to happen in the church, like, say, the beginning of our gals group, our widows group, he either stirs up those gifts in the people that are there, or he brings somebody to us with those gifts for that season in the church's life. When the gals group started, it was Liz Wetzel. Liz has a gift of hospitality, and she said, for the very first one of these, it was an idea that came from somebody else, somebody fairly new to our church, but Liz was the one who said, I'll host it. And for years, she hosted that group every month in her home, and she loved it, and she was just the queen of hospitality. So many people in that group tell me they learned hospitality from Liz. Liz passed two years ago, but the group still continues. And people in that group continue sort of the tradition of those wonderful gifts that they've learned from her. Is that a gift from God? It sure seems like it is. There are other gifts that it seems that God has brought us at certain times in the church's life. Certainly, people with gifts that helped us remodel this. People who had just the right gifts in the Laguna Fire. People who had just the right gifts to start our MOPS group back when we began that. It took a very certain kind of person to make that one happen. Our book talk group that meets quarterly, it's led by Sandy Montag. Sandy was really new in our church when we started that group. I'd been in book groups with her for years, but she hadn't been a part of our church. She's on vacation today, so she can't tell you about it herself. And I'd seen her work in book groups, and I knew how good she was at leading book discussions. So after we had had a couple of these book groups that we led ourselves, I said, Sandy, let's try it with you leading it. Oh my goodness, 
She allows us to discuss books in a way that most of us never would because she's so gifted in that. It's a gift that God seems to have brought to us for this season in our church life as a way for us to think together and to be together. Seems that different times in my life, I've seen that some of the gifts God gives me seem to be constant and others seem to kind of come and go at different seasons of my life. I, I think the gift of teaching is one that's been constant in my life and it looks different now than it looked when I was younger. Um, when I was when my children were young, I was the director of children's ministries at Irvine Presbyterian Church. And I had the gift of teaching and writing curriculum, and I do still do those two things. But I also was really pretty good in front of a group of children. I really could do that. It was like it was a gift. It just felt like God was using it. When I first came here 13 years ago, 20 years after I left Irvine, I took my turn as a staff member leading the chapel here in church for the preschool. It took about 20 seconds before everyone in the room knew I no longer have that gift. <laughs> um, I told them it would be a favor to them if I just stayed away and didn't try to do that. The teachers rescued me. Seems like sometimes the gifts change um, at different times of our lives as though God gives us what he knows we need in that season of our life. Or maybe it's the same gift, like teaching, but he uses it differently at different times of our lives. Uh, my covenant group is a group of six women. Um, most of them are 15 years older than I am. Most of them are in their mid-80s. And they have been uh, in their various churches. They have been major leaders in their churches and in the presbytery and uh, in their professions, too. But now, as they are getting older, they find they just don't have the energy to do the kinds of things that they loved and that they really care about, but they just can't quite carry them off anymore. So they've begun to think about, what does that look like at this season of my life? What, how does God want to use me at this season? We have been reading this summer a book together called Let Evening Come, the Gifts of Aging. Um, it's by Mary Morrison, and I put two copies out on the library card on the patio today. I didn't check to see if First Service got them all, but if you're interested, you could check one of those out after the service today. Uh, Morrison talks about things that they said that they have found to be true in their lives, which is that because their lives are just not as busy as they were when they had kids at home and when they were working, um, that they are able to be more like a quiet center for people, that they are able to listen better than they could before, that they are able to mentor people one-on-one, -on -one, things that they used to do in front of a bunch of people. More happens one-on-one -on -one now. In fact, they're also finding that at this stage of their life, their financial resources, they're realizing this is the stage of their life when they want to be sure they invest them in the things that they believe that God has put on their heart to care about, in the churches that they're a part of, or in the other organizations that are doing the work that God has put upon their heart. The author of that book says, God will use your words to encourage people, your mind to counsel people, your heart to show kindness, your hands to serve, 
every moment is an opportunity. Of course, God's supreme gift to us is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came proclaiming that in him the kingdom of God had come. He inaugurated here on earth God's work to heal planet earth, to restore us, and to reconcile us to himself. But the next step in that process, God has a strategy for that, and it's you, and it's me. The gifts that God has given to us, Peter says, be a good steward of whatever the gift is that God has given to you. Because God wants to use what he's put in you to be the next part of his healing and reconciling of the world. Uh, what I'm wearing today is a gift. It is a prayer shawl, a Jewish prayer shawl. It has Hebrew woven into it. I cannot read Hebrew very well at all anymore. Um, but I believe this might even be the Shema, which we sang this morning. Beth can still read Hebrew. This was a gift from my Hebrew professor. And it was a wonderful gift. It is gorgeous. It is silk. And uh, I probably should have framed it because I almost never use it. It is very hot, for one thing. I can't quite figure out what to do with it. Everyone told me it looked lovely, but it's really not quite something I know how to use. Maybe you've gotten gifts like that over the year. You know those things that somebody gave you and you really didn't even like it, but you didn't feel like you could take it back? This, I, this I like. It's not, this is not one of those. But, but you couldn't take it back? Or the ones kind of like this that end up in the back of your closet and you forget about it and it's just full of a bunch of dust in the back of your closet. Or maybe there are those things that you just can't figure out quite how they work into your life. And maybe that's the case with the gifts that God has given you too. Maybe there are some of them you're just not comfortable with. But maybe there are some of them that are gathering dust because you can't figure out quite what it is that you're supposed to do with it and how God could possibly be wanting you to use that. What does it mean to be good stewards of the things that God has given you, the way God has made you? What would that look like? John Ortberg, who is the pastor of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, has written a wonderful little book on gifts. He says, God doesn't commandeer the gifts that he wants to use. He tends to let them stay on the display shelf, I would say the back of the dusty closet, until somebody prays, use me, God. When was the last time you prayed a use me prayer? God tends to answer those prayers to change a little part of the world that he wants to change because of the way he has made you and the gifts that he has given you. God seems to love used stuff, especially used gifts. You will be surprised to discover what he will do with them if you let him. Amen. Live in me, Holy Spirit, live in me, let my heart 
Spirit breathe. 